Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. Come on, let's give him praise. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. You may be seated. He is worthy of all praise. Amen. We serve a good God that is worthy of praise. That's something that today hopefully we'll be reminded of in our journey. I want to thank every one of you who signed up for small groups. We had a great turnout this past week of people that are getting engaged for the first time in small groups. I had a couple new people in my small group this week and excited to continue that development. Here at Oasis Community Church, you know what we believe? Everybody needs to be in a small group because that's where we really do life together. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet got connected, there's fear you got to face and challenges, but if you do it, I promise you, it will impact you the way you desire. You want your life to change. How many of you want to grow and mature? Small groups help us do that, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet signed up, get signed up. If you haven't, maybe you were signed up in the past but haven't yet committed, get committed. Amen? It's a big deal. So today we're going to start a brand new series called Blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? All right, everybody wants to be blessed. It's a good thing to be blessed. We're going to learn a lot about what blessings mean in our life. And I I think it's important for us, uh, as we focus and learn the intentionality of God's desire, I want you to know this, God wants you to live a blessed life. And when you live a blessed life, it doesn't mean you live a perfect life. There's a lot of people like, what? And when we come to Christ, we're like, I want to get saved, and then everything's going to be good. It's like... Salvation's great, but it doesn't promise no problems. It doesn't promise no pain, right? As a matter of fact, Jesus promised suffering. Can you get an amen from anybody? We don't want to really say amen in that one. Like, no, I don't want that one. But it's promised. We're going to have suffering. The good news is, is that when you are blessed in him, he gives you what you need to manage the suffering of life, the challenges of life. Living a blessed life doesn't mean you're problem-free. It just means you enjoy the life that you've been given. And no matter the suffering, you can stay in a place of inward blessing or strength before God. And that's the awesomeness of being blessed. No matter what you're facing today, I want you to know that God wants you to experience his blessing within your soul. And so I want to invite you as we enter into this journey because there are avenues of blessing and most people when we think about blessing, we talk about and think about money, right? Am I blessed? Well, what car do you drive? What house do you live in? How much is in your bank account? And we're going to talk about that to some degree. But the greater context is how we are blessed in our humanity. God wants to really let you live a blessed life. So if someone says to you, how is life? You could say with, with a full heart, I am blessed. Would you look at your neighbor and say, I want to be blessed. We're going to jump into this. Uh, Blessed, in the scriptures, there's kind of multiple values it comes to bear, but the term blessed means to be happy or blissful. But it also means to be self-contained or have self-contained happiness. In other words, that no matter what goes on around, I possess a joy within my soul, and God desires for us to be that way. Now, it's important to know that the title of the message today is It All Starts With The Heart. And we're going to find out it's a verticalness of the heart, but it's also a heart that understands how it's supposed to interact with the roles on earth that we live in. So our heart must be the leader of our life towards God. It's got to be focused and intentional. Proverbs 4 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Right? I want you to know that when your heart is in the right place with God, it's amazing how life can change. Now, I'm going to just do something real quick because you can find out where people's hearts are, right? All right. Any Green Bay Packer fans out there? 
Now, I'm just going to ask you, all right, any Cardinal fans out there? Wow. Any Viking fans out there? Oh. All right, I'm missing a team. What team am I missing? Broncos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to know that some of you shouted louder for your football team than you did for God a moment ago. So, <laughs> But we can change that. And the goal is, is that we do. You see, God wants us to have a fanship toward him like we do things, other things that we are fans about. And when we talk football, you know, it's one of those things we can quickly identify. People are like, how about my team? Oh, yeah. You're like, come on, let's tell Jesus we love him. I'm a big fan, big fan. <laughs> God's after our heart, right? He really is after our heart. He wants things to change dynamically within our life. And he, there's vehicles and avenues where we can give more of our heart to God. And so we're going to discover over the course of the next few weeks how we honor God. Particularly, we're going to be talking about generosity. How many of you like when someone's been generous to you? We all love experiencing generosity in our life. And the Lord wants to teach us all to live generous lives as it relates to our time, our talent, and our treasures. And we're going to be talking about this specifically over the next few weeks so that you can really learn how to walk in the life that God wants you to walk in, which is a blessed life of his grace and work inside of us. So, Because our heart determines our actions. When our heart is in the right place, it will prove to us through the actions that we take in life. Matthew 6, you know this is one of my favorite verses. I learned this as my first verse of memorization. See Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God is inviting us to give us, he wants us to give him the first, right? And I'll say this, God wants the first, and you can fill in the blank, whatever that is, whatever you have in your life, God wants the first of it from your life. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank what God wants from you. I want you to know that whatever you possess that you think is special, God always wants the first of it. He wants to be premier. He wants to be sought after number one in every vein of our lives. He wants to be number one, and he invites us. I love this scripture in Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to kind of go through it and just highlight some things. He says, my son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart. How many of you know God's commands are basically the guidance system of how we're supposed to live? For they will prolong your life. Anybody interested in having a little longer life? And, uh, prolong your life many years and bring peace and prosperity. Now, we're all, I don't know about you, but I, I think that I'm happier when I've got peace. And I got enough to take care of my life and to help take care of other people's lives, right? Pro I want to be prosperous enough not to go, I just barely paid the bills. I want to be able to say, I, I got peace, I was able to have what I needed, and I was able actually to be a blessing to somebody else. He goes on to say this, let love and faithfulness never leave you, bind them around your neck, write them, where does it say, on the Table of your heart, right? We're going to, the idea, the tablet of our heart, we, we're going to write this on our heart. It's got to be here's where it's got to be active. It's got to be something inside of us that is, because we know that if it's in our heart, it produces what? An action within our lives. He goes on to say this, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That favor, there is the same context of blessings. You will, you will find blessing with God and with men. And I believe this, and again, particularly in a society that we live in, if you honor God with the way that you live your life, you find many people that will give you favor on the earth. Now, if you were in a community or a society that hated God and the Bible, it might be a little bit difficult. You might find more suffering. But here we know we find this some. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your 
heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, this is important. When you're leaning on your own understanding, so basically he's putting a dichotomy, a double picture in. I want you to trust God because the way you think isn't right. How many of you see that, right? I don't want you to lean on what you think. I want you to lean on what God says. I want you to lean on what God is going to communicate. And many times this is where we kind of begin to lose the battle because we go, well, I know what the Bible says, but... It's like, oh, man, I knew God should have consulted with you when he wrote this part. Because we have this understanding that we go, well, I'm just right, and I think I'm right, and because I think I'm right, I must be right. I want you to know this is where sometimes we find, particularly in the topic we're going to be talking about, we divert and we can, well, the way I see it, the way I like it, it's like, yeah, we really need to discover God's way of blessing within our lives. He continues on. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And again, the easier life goes, the path is better, it makes it easier. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be wise in your own eyes. Some of you are going to be tempted today. You're going to leave today and maybe think you know better. But remember, do not be wise in your own eyes. Right? It's really important. I know that if you're like me, sometimes I just think I know that I'm right. And I know that I'm right. We all have this temptation to be our own God, make our own determinations. But he says, do not be wise in your eyes. For the Lord, fear the Lord, <laughs> submit to the Lord, and shun evil. This will bring, what, health to your bo- uh, body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And notice what it says, with the first fruits of the crop. He's basically now determining, he's giving now some commands about this idea of we want to live in this blessing. We have our own mindset of how we're supposed to live. And now he's giving out some instruction on the way we're supposed to live. Honor the Lord with with your wealth. What does that mean? What what does that mean to honor the Lord? We're going to be learning over the next few weeks. What does it mean to honor the Lord with your wealth? And just for knowledge's sake, I know some of you feel you're impoverished. I want you to know that if you live in America, you are not impoverished. Right? You live, everyone in America at the lowest rate of poverty in America is living better than 90% of the world. So we think we're impoverished because we look at the Joneses and go, well, I don't have what they have. I want you to know that in America, we truly have been fortunately blessed by the Lord in so many different ways. And we only sometimes find ourselves, well, I don't want to consider myself that way because it seems I'll be more accountable if I see myself that way. I want you to know that you're wealthy. In multiple ways, but we're particularly wealthy in the area of our resource ability, the function we have in our finances and the blessing in those things. It goes on to say, honor the Lord with your, uh, then your barns will be filled to overflow and your vats will brim over with new wine. God wants us to get a picture a perception that sometimes we don't always see things right, but if we submit our heart to him, that God has a plan of producing and providing for us a blessed life. How many of you trust the Lord? Amen. I got seven of you. No, good. We, we trust God, right? It's really what we, we choose to do. We trust God. We're not going to lean on our own understanding. We want to acknowledge that God has something to say as it relates to how we manage the resources that we have in our hand, and we want to respond to him in a very healthy way. We see the scripture says God wants the first fruits of our life. He's always interested in the first because he doesn't want us. He's dealing with an issue within our soul. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, no one is a natural-born giver. We're all takers by nature. Right? You put two kids together. Put one toy there. Mine! 
nature. We have to work on it. As parents, we work on that with our kids. You know, we share, we learn, we put values inside of them. The Lord is interested. He wants us to learn to give him our first, our first of our day, the first of our heart, the first of our strength, the first of our talents, the first of our finances. God wants the, everybody say it, first. That's what he's wanting, the first. He wants us to apply the principle of first to him in all aspects of our lives, and we're going to discover what that looks like and what that means as people that honor God. You know, in our sinful state, state we tend to be very selfish and take care of me first. You know, people sometimes will ask, well, how often do you talk about giving in church? Well, financial messages, we only talk about financial messages like you're going to be hearing over the next couple weeks, like once every three years, because we think it's important that people understand how to manage one of the more important things in your life, which is the money that you've been blessed with. We all try to do good with it. We want to do good in stocks. We want to do investments. We want to do good for our future. God has a plan as well with your economics, and we need to talk about it so we make sure we're appropriating ourselves positively before God. But I talk about giving every weekend, right? Because I can't talk about giving without talking about, if I talk about a husband and wife coming together, I talk about you got to give yourself 100% to one another. It's a, it's a giving message. Uh, we have something called Thanksgiving, right, that we talk about. What does that mean? Well, we, we learn to give thanks to God. We offer our voices and our heart to give him praise. We, we talk about community groups. We're talking about caregiving. We want to love one another and give to one another and share with one another, right? We talk about the most important giving in the world, which is forgiving, like, where would we be if there wasn't forgiveness and God went first to say, I'm going to give my son for God so loved the world that he gave. Every week we talk about giving and whether it's God giving to us or our giving back to God or to the people around us that he compels us to give toward, the message of hope is found in the nature of generosity and giving and whatever portal it might be, whatever vein it might be. And though we're going to be talking about specifically our finances, the vein comes from the heart and context of who God is. And he wants every one of us to enjoy the blessings that he has in store for us. And understanding this value of giving is so important. So let me begin with this. And I just want to say this. At Oasis Community Church, we do not teach give to get. We teach give to give. <laughs> You don't give to get something, because that sounds selfish, doesn't it? We're not going to teach a selfish gospel. We're going to teach the gospel as it was. Now, there's principles of sowing and reaping, but giving to get is not the principle that God wants us to learn. He doesn't want me to teach you how to be selfish. He doesn't want you to teach you, hey, do this because it's going to be really good for you. <laughs> he goes, I want you to do this because it's the right thing to do, and it honors me, and you'll live a better life. He wants you to live a blessed life, and he knows how we can live a blessed life. So let's go to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read two verses that are parallel verses in the Scripture. One of them uh, is in Matthew. One of them is Luke. And we're going to tie together this idea, this knowledge of, of the heart context. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2 says this. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. How many of you like the Scripture that says do not judge, right? Say, don't Don't judge. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So what is the context of that scripture? Judgment, right? Something that comes from the heart, right? He says, I'm going to talk to you about a, a, a judgment issue, something that comes from the heart. Now, we're going to go to the parallel scripture in Luke, and I just want to say this is important for us to understand. It's talking about the nature of the heart. You know, Jesus made this statement in Luke 6. He said, out of, the, out of your heart... 
Bad stuff can come. Evil thoughts will come from your heart. Your mouth will speak what your heart is saying. And I want to work on this issue within your soul. And today God is wanting to work on this issue. And and let me just say right now, we're not taking an offering at the end of service. Some of you are like, is he setting us up? No, I'm not setting you up. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to give something to you that will bless your life. Living a blessed life is dynamic. It, it's special. You, it, the way you live your life is just different because you're not, it's not, you're not trying to get something. But you can't stop God from blessing you when you live generous. And when you get something, because you're not like, well, this is what do, you really enjoy everything that you get because you're like, wow, wow, God's so good and kind and generous. What a blessing. Everything begins to shift and change in the way we manage our mindset in these things. So verse, uh, Luke 6, verse 37, again, this is the parallel ver- verse. I'm going to go to the very front side of the verse because we're going to show you that the exact same thing. And in verse 37, it says, do not judge and you will not be judged. How many of you see that? Now go to verse 38. On the very end of verse 38, it says, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How many of you see it's the same scripture, right? It's two things communicated. There happens to be something in the middle in Luke chapter 6. And let's go take a look at that again. Verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. How many of you see this specifically is talking about issues of the heart? Judgment, condemnation, forgiveness, right? It's a heart issue. Now, the very next verse says this, and we're all very familiar with this. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, how many of you have heard the scripture preached many times? And 98% of the time, what do they talk about? Money. They're talking about money. They're talking about giving, it will be given. You give money, you're going to get money. And, and this is why we give, because you give and you might. Yeah, I want you to know he's not talking about money, though money can surely be used in the context of what's being communicated. It's not an issue of economics. It's an issue of the heart, that God is interested in having our heart in the right place so that the actions that we take is not corresponded by the stuff on the outside, but moved by what is right on the inside. How many of you like to not be condemned? How many of you like to be around someone that doesn't condemn and doesn't judge and who does forgive? Right? People that struggle with forgiving struggle with giving. Let me say it again. People that struggle with forgiving struggle with giving. It's just the nature of it. Why is, and God wants us to become forgivers so that we can enjoy the blessing of what it means to forgive, but also so we can learn the blessing of what it means to give economically and not worry about it, not have so much pressure on our lives about what we're losing. This is going to really radically influence and change some of your lives, I believe, in the area of economics. It's going to bless you for the rest of your life. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy, and I want to thank Robert Morris. Many of you know we gave out the book, The Blessed Life, which I would encourage you to get the book, The Blessed Life, by Robert Morris. This is a series of very good. It's a great book. It's impacted me in a drastic way. Much of what you're hearing is basically coming out of the, the, the foundation of that book, and I would encourage you, Robert Morris, The Blessed Life. You'll love it. It's a really, really good read. It inspires us in this area. Um, but he shares this, and I, I love this thought. There is a string attached from your wallet to your heart. (laughs) Simply said, if someone says, you know, uh, if I said, hey, we're going to take up an offering, there's going to be two types of people. Someone's going to go, 
When did it go out? I'm going to go back to that. So you guys online. This was really good online. Don't miss this. Sorry, I turned my mic off accidentally. What was I saying? Huh? String and wallet. There is a string attached from your wallet to your heart. If you take your wallet out easily and have a smile about the opportunity, your heart might be in a good place. If you take your wallet out and you think this thought, and I found this recently, that, that it used to be that if you were a man of the cloth, as they call us, that your esteem in the community was like 70 to 80%. People just thought, well, you're a man of the cloth, and so, you know, there's a trust that built, there's a trust there, there's a confidence there. Today, in our society, they've done new findings, and, and pastors are now considered like 20, 25% confidence in them. And so many people, when they show up at church, particularly if this is your first time, you're like, oh, he's talking about money, right? There's already this automatic thing of negativity, of the idea that someone's out to get something from you. You know, I, I want you to know that the, the truth is God is out to bring something to your life and to transform you and to change you. And, and, and how many of you would say this honestly, that money's a pretty big deal in your life? Don't lie to me. For all of us, it's a big deal. We think about it often. We manage how we spend, and we do it every day. We think about it. We think about our monthly bills. We think about the, it's really a big deal to our life. And it wouldn't be silly to think that God wouldn't have a conversation about something that we think about so much. Wouldn't it be silly to think that God wouldn't really address this topic at such a high level to go, I really want you to be successful here, so pay attention to what I'm going to tell you because I'll help you exceed at the highest of levels when it comes to your economics if you trust me and don't lean on your own understanding. I'll show you how to have peace and prosperity in the way that you live your life. How many of you ever met someone that had it all and had no peace or real prosperity? Couldn't enjoy what they had. Why? They had they, the economics. You went, wow, they got more than anybody. And yet there was not a happy bone in their being. And, and they were on the opposite side of the scale. God knows how to bless us. So we're going to use Deuteronomy chapter 15 as a, a steering guide for us. And, you know, Jesus made this statement when I talk about this heart and wallet string. He said this in Matthew 6. Where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. I forgot to do something. Would you take that for me and fix that? Thank you. Um, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. Right? He attaches. He says, where you put your money, you're going you're gonna to emphasize that's where my heart is going to go. How many of you have not paid attention to stocks, maybe, and then all of a sudden you invested in a stock? What happened? You actually started to care about that stock. You actually, you know, say, I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to put $1,000 in that stock or $10,000. I'm going to put, I'm going to really invest. You know what you start doing with that stock? Every day you go, get your phone, like, well, what happened with my stock? Well, where your money is, your heart went there because you, it matters, right? It matters. It's just why God says, I want to make sure that you're putting your money into the kingdom of God because then it will matter, if you don't share with your resources into the kingdom, your heart is not allowing itself. If Jesus said, where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be, it's kind of this connection piece that he invites us to walk in and to serve in. And again, in Matthew 6, he has a whole idea of, I'm taking care of you, trust me, I got you taken care of. I just want your heart in the right place. So we're going to pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse number 7, and the question is, how do we develop a heart of generosity? Deuteronomy 15, 7, 
the Lord is speaking to the Israelites, and this is the, the word of the Lord to them. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, notice what it says, which the Lord your God is giving you. So what is God giving them? Right, he's giving them land, right? He's like, I, I got some stuff I want to give you. How many of you think that's deserving of praise? Right, God wants to give you things. God's blessing you. He, his desire is to give you things. He's trying to bless you in your life. But you shall, God is, uh, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Basically, what he's saying, he says, we need to deal with a selfish heart. I, I need to deal with your desire to say, I really don't want to help anybody. I want to take care of me and my own. And God's saying, listen, as the children of Israel, I have blessed you with this land. The fruitfulness of the land I gave you, and I want to make sure, knowing that I gave you this, that you, when you see somebody in need, I want you to have a heart that is willing to share. I don't want you to be selfish. And again, I believe this is a kingdom thing, that God has to work this selfishness out of our lives. We are all selfish by nature. And it's interesting, you know, I don't know, how many of you can relate to this? That, you know, maybe when you first got into the kingdom of God, you following Jesus, and someone said, you know, we need to give 10% of my money to the Lord, and when you were making $100, you're like, oh, 10 bucks, man, wow. But you, maybe you were able to do it or not able to do it. And you thought, well, if I make more money, if I just make a little bit more money, it'll be a lot easier to give. So you make $1,000. And now someone says, well, you know, the Lord, you know, would invite you to share in the kingdom. Give a hundred. You're like, a hundred dollars? It was tough for me to give ten. Think about ten. But if I make a little bit more money, it'll be easier for me to give. And then all of a sudden, you're making ten thousand dollars. And someone says, you're making ten thousand. You're like, I'm making ten thousand dollars a month. Great, the Lord just wants to give $1,000. $1,000? What kind of God would need $1,000? So is the problem the money? The problem is the heart, right? It's the issue is not how much. We all say, and you know this, if this is you, you know if I said, well, I'll make more, I'll do more. And you realize it's just not true. It's the same measure that you sacrificed back then. It's probably the same measure you're sacrificing. You're giving more, but it's the same measure that you sacrificed back then. And God's saying, listen, I want your heart. I want you to trust me in this mode of how I'm inviting you to, to, to serve me. And I want your heart to be in the right place. I want you to experience the right blessing that I have in your life. So he wants to deal with us with, with a selfish heart. He, he wants to help us. You know, he, he, he's talking in this communication. Let's read verse number 9. He says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year the year of release is at hand and your, eyeball, and your eye being evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you and it becomes sin among you. There's something that happened in the, in the Israelite communities. Every seven years, people would be forgiven of their debts. So basically what the Lord is saying to these Israelites, he says, listen, if your brother comes to you in a need and you're like, well, you have the resources to do it, but you're like, well, man, I, you know, there's only 18 months before the Jubilee. And if I give him money right now, I might not get my money back by 18 months. 
right? Like if he had seven years, maybe he could pay me back, but now there's only 18 months and I'm struggling with giving him the money because if in 18 months he hasn't paid me, I have to forgive him and I'm struggling with, and God says, you know what God called it at the end of the verse? He says, it has become what? Sin among you. In other words, you took something that was good and godly and now because of your inability to, to have confidence in God, you say, I can't do it because I might not get mine back. And God wants to say, get yours back. How do you have what you have in the first place? I brought you to this land. I'm the one that's brought you here, and I'm the one that has provided for you. So we have to deal with this heart. And here's the question. Why did God create giving in the first place for us? Giving was created by God for our benefit to help get rid of selfishness and greed. Selfishness is kind of on the front side when we struggle to give it. Greed is on the back side after we give it, and then something happens to us, and we say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Because I gave that away, and now I could use it for myself. God wants to deal with that context within our hearts. So we're, and I just want you to believe this. Believe it or not, when you get rid of selfishness and greed, you start living a different kind of life. It's not even a pressure of your stuff. You're, you, look, you look at it differently. You look at it with honor and respect and joy and say, God, I'm so glad that you've blessed me in my life. So God works us in this mindset. This Luke 6.38 that says, given shall be given unto you. God is not saying, listen, I'm so excited that you're going to teach people how to get. God wants to teach you how to be a giver. He wants your motive to be in the right place. You know, I, I once heard of a guy, a friend of mine had talked to this guy that, that said to him, hey, uh, you know, they were talking about money. And the guy says, I know how much God owes me. My friend was like, what, 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 what do you mean? He says, well, I know what the scripture teaches about sowing seed and receiving and I've marked down every time I've given and I can tell you almost to the dollar how much God owes me what how many of you know that is a broken mindset of the idea of giving what, what what is the motive behind that person's giving it isn't to honor the Lord and to bless people it is this uh, God is going to have to pay me back for what I'm giving out here I want you to know that God really is interested in our motives right he doesn't want us to have a squirrely thought like that God creates this so that we get rid of selfishness and greed the second thing selfish heart is the first thing the, the second thing is we have to deal with a grieving heart Verse 10 says, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all that you put, your, put to your hand. He says, listen, God's going to bless you if you honor him with what he's asked you to do. Selfishness attacks us in a mode to not do it. He says, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. I want you to share with this individual. I'm inviting you to share with this individual. He says, and some of you, maybe you have this grieving heart. And I just want to say this. We were born selfish, but we were born again generous. When you got born again, you got a new nature. And maybe you haven't bought into that new nature yet. But I want you to know that you're born again generous. Thank God for the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. And we have to take it upon ourselves to receive the nature of God. Oh, shoot, I just remembered something. I owe somebody $100, and I, I can anybody, what? I know, I just need to get $100 from somebody. Somebody, who got, someone just got $100. Who'd you give $100 to? Would you come run up here and bring that to me? Thank you. How, I'll take your $100 too, Hal. 
I'm just kidding. All right, you can just have a seat right there. That'd be great. So I, I forgot that I had this debt that I owe, and I need $100 to take care of it, and I'm thank, thank you for your generosity. But just a moment ago, you didn't have this $100, did you? How did you get it? Who gave it to you, Dawn? Where'd she get that $100 from? Do you know where? My wallet. <laughs> now, she had to bring this $100 up to me, right? But it was $100 that I gave her to say, hey, listen, when I call for the $100, bring the $100 up. She's not really grieving the loss of this $100, right? Because it was, it was my $100. <laughs> it's not like, well, maybe she grieved it a little bit. I don't know, right? But the reality is, is because I said, listen, I'm going to give this to you, and in a moment I'm going to request it back, it wasn't like, <laughs> oh, God, $100. It was like, sure, you know, here, here, sure, this is just a, kind of how it works, right? It flows in, flows out, you give it to me, I'm going to give it back because that's what you asked me to do. She didn't grieve over the money because she had the understanding that it was Billy's $100. And if I asked my $400, why would she grieve? It's mine in the first place. Now it's yours. You can keep it. Thank you. Blessings to you and your life. An act of generosity, right? I actually I, I like to find people that I go, this will be a blessing to their life, and I know it will be a blessing to your life. So you can go back to the back and find your spot of joy. We can't grieve when we, if we don't view it as our own, we won't grieve over it. We simply are, as the scripture teaches, we're managers of that which God puts into our hands. And if God asks us as the manager, you know, if the CEO and president shows up and says, hey, I need to move this from over there, you don't go, how dare you? Who are you to? You go, yes, sir. How do we act? What do you want us to do with this? How is it going to forward the cause of what we're trying to accomplish? And this is a problem in our humanity. We have this mindset that what we have belongs to me. It's mine, mine, mine. That nature, that selfishness that says, no, well, if I hold it, it must be mine. And God said, no, I have blessed you. Let me ask you this question. How many of you feel blessed? Who blessed you? God, he's worthy of it, right? He's worthy of being blessing. Let's get our heart in the right place and say, God, thank you for blessing me. I am so blessed that you have blessed me. This is what the scripture says in Psalms 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? I love this. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. It's this heart that says, God, I, I, I'm all about you. So God wants us to deal with a selfish heart. He wants us to deal with a grieving heart. And he invites us. He says, I want you to develop a generous heart. Verse 14, Deuteronomy 15, going back to there again. You shall supply him liberally. Have you know what that word liberally means? Plenty, right? I want you to supply him. Don't just barely do it. I want you to liberally from your flock, from your fleshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. He says, I want you to be liberal in this mindset. Luke 6 says this, give to everyone. And again, he takes it to the next level. It's like, I want you to give to this person that's in need. But Jesus says, I, I want you to think even past those that are in need. I want you to think about your enemies and how you even respond to them. Luke 6.30, give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not, not ask them back. It's, he's basically saying, I want to check your heart here. 
It's not so people, sometimes people read this and go, well, can people brutalize me? That's not what God's saying. That's not what Jesus is communicating. He says, I want your heart to be in such a place that if I invite you to do something to somebody that is your enemy, you can still do it. Because you're going to honor me. And it has nothing to do with them. It has your, to do with your honoring me. Verse 31, and just as you want men to do to you, you shall also do to them likewise. That's the golden rule, isn't it? Love others like you love yourself. Verse 32, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? I want you to know I'm highlighted the what credit that because there are many times we do something we're like, I'm pretty good. I deserve the glory. He's like, what are we doing? We don't deserve the glory. We honor God with it. And when we do it, yes, people might praise us, but we can always go, thanks, don't thank me, man. Thank God. I can't take credit. God's blessed me this way. I have resources to do something with it, and I, I can't take credit. I've got to thank God for his blessing in my life, and, man, thank him. I, I'm pointing you to him, not to me. I don't want to pat on the back. I just want you to celebrate with thanksgiving to God that God is blessing you in this way. Verse 33 again, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you for even sinners do the same? And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. In other words, he's saying don't give to get. There's many passages I can give you that says, God won't, if you give to a prophet and a prophet, you're going to receive a prophet's reward. Sow and you'll reap. I'm not trying to minimize the idea of sowing and the blessing that comes from that. God just doesn't want your heart to be, I gave, therefore God owes me something. We're going to honor God with this in our life. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful. That's been me before, and evil, that's been me before. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. We learn to give what we've received. The power of forgiveness that we receive is beautiful because it gives us the power to forgive others in honesty. That we can let people go because we realize that God has let us go. We can give grace because we know we've received grace. We can give mercy because we know we've received mercy. We know what God has done for us. We know the beauty of him to our life. And the more that we understand that, the ability to live with this generous heart and the spirit of generosity, not just with economics, but every part of who we are, it just changes the dynamic of our life. People can't get you too upset when you honor God with your heart. Even when they are your enemy, you pray for them and say, Lord, you know what? They don't know what they're doing. I'm going to love them anyway. I'm not going to take it personal. They're God of the, the God of this world is leading them the devil, and why should I get mad at them when they're just being, be, being led by the enemy? I need to pray for them so they maybe can find the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The last thing we talk about is we must develop a grateful heart. Verse 15 in Deuteronomy 15, you shall remember. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. I love this context. And I close with this thought is, is that 
man, God has saved us from separation from him. He saved us from death, eternal death. Me, you know, sometimes when anybody ever struggle with judgment toward others? You know, I, I got into this habit of when I start to judge someone, I go, there go I. But for the grace of God, that could be me. I could be causing that pain. I could be causing that trouble. I could be messed up like that. I, I could be critical like that. I could, I, that could be me. But by the grace of God, it's not. And as much as I want a judge to vindicate and go, they deserve to be judged, I go, wait a minute, judge not. I want to measure to them the same measure I want back to me. I want to measure to them instead of judgment. I'm going to measure them grace and love because that's what I want. When I mess up, I want someone to go, it's all right, Billy. It's all right. We're going to work through this. I love you. I know you didn't live up to your own expectations, and I'm here. I'm going to love you. That's what I want. Because it's what I want, I'm going to make sure that that's what I measure out. I'm going to use, and when I measure it out, you know, the Bible says with the measure, all you cooks out there, you know, when you're measuring something, it says with the measure you use, you know, if you're going to say, oh, I, I got some grace for you, it's going to take a long time to give a lot of grace, isn't it? But when they measure it back to you, this is kind of how it's going to come too, right? I'd rather just get a big old bucket and say, well, I'm measuring I'm measuring love back to you. Because with the measure I use, it's the measure that's going to come back to me. And I want people to use big measures when they come back to me. I want them to, with genuineness of soul, by the grace of God that I get to walk in, my prayers that they get to walk in. And so the beauty of this is God wants us to live in this mindset of, a, of just an open, grateful heart to remember what God has done. Why don't you think for a moment? Where were you, and what has God done in your life? You know, I think back to some of my classmates in school, the journey that they've been on. I was 12 when I got saved, and in my teenage years, I made a deep decision for Jesus, and it changed the trajectory of my life. But I realized that I was in a precarious point in time at one time where I could have gone one way or the other. But my mom and faithful people around me kept pointing me to Jesus and kept pointing me to Jesus and kept pointing me to Jesus. And I go, thank God for the people that were pointing. And I look at the suffering of many of my, my classmates growing up and some that have even died in their story. And I go, you know, that could have been me. But it's not. And Lord, I'm grateful for that. You've given me an opportunity to live a blessed life. Not because life has been perfect. But because you showed me the way and said, don't lean on your own understand, Billy. Trust me, I know what to do. And the trajectory of my life has been, and I would, my wife and I would stand before you, we have been blessed in our life. We live blessed. We live blessed in our home because the practice of forgiveness and grace and mercy exists in our home. And, and when I mess up again, she is there with grace and love and mercy. And in the rare occasion that she messes up, I am there with love, grace, and mercy because it's driven by generosity of soul. And it translates to everything. You know, when my wife asks for something, I try to whatever I can. I say, I'm going to make that happen. 
If it costs something, I'm like, I'm going to see, what can I do to make that happen? Well, it's going to, you can't do that. I don't care. I'm going to try to make that happen. My sacrifice is nothing if I can make her smile in that area. This is the nature of how God wants us to respond to him. It's beautiful. It's divine. And it is the way of generosity. As I close today and you say, you know, the Holy Spirit's here, even when we're talking about money. <laughs> talking about how we use our resources. The Holy Spirit is here. You might said, come to the church saying, I, I can't believe I've come when they're talking about money. I want you to know that the Lord is bigger than that, isn't he? And he spoke to your heart and he stirred you about the context of generosity, the idea of living a, a different kind of life. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. He's not out after your money, just so you know. He's out after all of you. He wants every portion of who you are. He doesn't want one piece of your life left on the sidelines. He wants all of you into him. And this is a blessing. When we commit our life to Jesus Christ, everything changes. Maybe you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to pray with you a prayer that I prayed when I was 12 years old and committed my heart to his lordship. I confessed Jesus as the Lord of my life, and I said, I will follow you. I commit in my heart. And that was the beginning of my spiritual journey that for years and years and years has never stopped growing and never stopped developing. But it begins with that first decision and choice to give your heart to him. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your head for a moment? If you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, and you would say, Billy, today I need to commit my life to the Lord. I'm here for this moment right now to commit my life to God. I want to give him my heart and follow him. If you're here and that is you, and you say, I'm, you're going to pray this prayer with me right now. Would you raise your hand, anybody in this room that says, I'm going to do that this morning? Thank you. Anybody else that says, I'm going to do that this morning? Thank you. All right, we're going to pray. We're going to join together with these that are praying this, and we're going to make our own fresh commitment to the Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being generous and sending your son Jesus to die for my sins so that I could be saved. And today I commit my life to you, to your leadership, to your lordship, to be my savior and my guide. And I choose to follow you. And I do it with all of my heart right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.